0: Hello and welcome to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups. In this episode, we talk about desire, our story, and how our paradigms are formed, and how being in a small group shifts us from being isolated in toxic shame to being known and having our true self mirrored to us so a new paradigm can be formed. So without further ado, here is episode eight. Well, thanks so much for uh, joining us again as we're sitting with Scott and Sarah as we are into episode eight. And this episode's titled Desire Our Story and How We Form Our Paradigm. And if you've been listening along, you've heard us use the word paradigm. We talked a lot about it in our last episode um, about attachments. And really, the best place to start, Scott is to really ask the question, how is our perspective and our paradigm formed? That's really the origin story of where this uh, begins.
1: Well, I mean, obviously they're shaped extensively in our childhood, in our developmental years. Um, So they use the word institutions. So the family, Mm -hmm. schools, churches, and then just society in general, we begin to see ourselves and see life through that lens, you know, what I was, what formed to me in my home, what formed to me in school, and, and all these experiences. And so we come out of that into our adult life with this is what we believe about ourselves. Mm. This is how we see ourselves. And even though it may not be true, most of the time it's not, it's what we've come to believe. Mm. And again, it's the lens in which we see everything. And I want to make this point because t- this is to me the best statement that I've heard seeing is believing. Mm. And how I see myself, how I've come to see myself, those neural mm. pathways, those, you know that, that's deeply ingrained in me. Mm. And so all my responses, if I'm ever going to experience a transformed life, that paradigm has to be transformed. Mm. That perception has to be changed. Mm. And that is the inner work that we are advocating for mm. people. It, it is absolutely liberating Mm. can be done.
2: Mm -hmm. I do think, and that's what we talk all the time about. You can do your work alone. You can do your work one-on-one with a therapist. But the reason I think doing group in a, or doing work in a group propels you forward is because you, that's what you're getting in the process is multiple perspectives Mm. that not necessarily in a sense challenge you negatively in your own perspective, but that give you a broader sense of what goes on in everyone else's mind. Mm. So there's that, I think, bonding between people that says, oh, we do share similar struggles, similar outlook, but then someone can say something in group that gives you a totally aha, oh, I've never looked I can't I can't tell you how many times I've said that in group. I've never looked at it that way. Mm. What a fantastic, you know, perspective, what a fantastic point if I hadn't been in a group with other people, I never would have encountered that perspective. Mm. So I think the more you come out of yourself into community, that is what starts to change. And I don't want to say either. I think it's unfair to say that our perspectives are all inherently skewed. And Mm. so we need someone to come in there and shift it for us. Right. I think what we have to find is, the nuggets of truth and the nuggets of untruth Mm. that lay in those perspectives. That's
0: a really powerful point about what's, it's not necessarily about, I I like people always say right or wrong. I think it's really moving into true. What, you know, you've bought into unconsciously. That's the whole thing with paradigms, right? Is that most of us walk around with them. We don't even know we have a paradigm to start with.
1: I'll tell you one of the most telling moments that I ever experienced in a small group. Um, I was sharing my story and, And obviously, when you're sharing your story, you're revealing how you see yourself. Mm. And um, one of the participants said, gosh, Scott, I wish you could see yourself the way we see you. Wow. And that just changed my life. Um, And I'm like, it's true. Mm. Um, And I want to say that when I read some of Richard Rohr's material, and he was the first person that I heard the phrase divine marrying Mm. from. And what Sarah was just alluding to happens in a small group. That is a divine mirror because mm. it reflects back to right. me what I need to see that's true about me. Mm. And when that lady said that, I'm like, then I started listening to them as they told me affirmative statements of how they saw me. And it did conflict with the negative, mm. shame-based paradigm that I had built about myself. Mm. And... Um, and I know this, that that intrinsic belief mm. in seeing myself in a new way, I cannot do that alone. And I think a small group, I don't think I know, a small group is the most powerful divine mirroring place, I mm. think, that a person can, can experience.
0: Mm. That's beautiful because you can't see what's your... There's a lot of study that talks about how when you're with someone else, you see so much of their unconscious beliefs. Right they're completely alien to what they're doing and then you're blind to yours. So it's like not a judgmental place, but it is that ability to say, well, I don't see you that way at all. And it's like, what do you mean? You don't think I'm a piece of garbage? Like, no, I think you're actually really smart. You know, I think you're these things. And it's like, whoa, like really? And so it really challenges goes at that core belief. And I think I'm, I wanted to ask you guys because the paradigm is deep and it is all about that belief system. It's not necessarily I think your thoughts and everything seem to stem from that deep, deep uh, sub- subconscious belief that has got buried a long time ago that, that starts to manifest in different ways. So can we talk a little bit about how that belief gets buried deep within there and how that is the formation of the paradigm, not necessarily your thoughts. It all stems from that subconscious area um, that you really believe these things about yourself. You may say you don't or a lot about life, talk about the victim mindset earlier Um, so can you talk a little about how, maybe how that belief gets implanted early on and then how it can manifest later as a paradigm?
2: Well, I do think we have, in order to talk about that, we do have to talk about toxic shame Mm. because it is toxic shame that is the seed of doubt and loss of innocence and loss of trust Mm. It is toxic shame that becomes the barrier between us and God mm. in so many ways. Because we I believe we start to cut ourselves off from the true source of love mm. the more that we believe toxic, shameful things about ourselves. Mm-hmm. We withdraw inward. So it's all atta- it's, it's all part of attachment, mm. you know, what we were talking about in the last episode. Yeah that really all of the problems start with toxic shame Mm. and once and and defining toxic shame is saying we have encountered as kids or even young adults something that we cannot our minds cannot reconcile Mm. like it cannot make sense of
1: Mm.
2: so whether it's some kind of abuse or the family unit isn't working correctly, we are not nurtured, uh, we are not given affirmations, we're not giving a sense of who we are outside of our parents or guardians. There's so many ways in which toxic shame takes root. But for me, I always go back to the definition that it's that seed of doubt. That is my, will be my lifelong struggle, Mm. is the seed of doubt that when things start to go wrong, it's that little voice that goes... You knew it, Sarah. Mm. You knew you can't do this. Mm. You're not capable. Mm. You're, you know, you're on your own. Mm. Nobody's here for you. It's all, it's all the same messages that I got over. They're not made-up messages. Right. That's the part I want to emphasize. They're messages that came to you consciously or unconsciously yes. from your surroundings. Mm. So for me, for example, the reason I struggled with that the most is because in my childhood, I was left alone both physically and emotionally mm. all the time. Wow! I was always left to process my life alone. Mm. No one ever said, Sarah, how are you? How are you feeling today? Yeah. Let's talk about your feelings. Yeah. How was school? How are your friendships? No one ever talked to me about those things. Mm. So I became very independent in an unhealthy way. Mm. And now when I have a tough day, that paradigm kicks in faster than any other one. Wow.
0: It's the first one and yeah. the loudest. Yep. You're on your own. Yep. Like,
2: good luck
1: mm.
0: because
2: there's nobody going to help you. Uh, you know, you can ask for help, but you're not going to get it. Mm. And so I will withdraw in. I will not ask for the help. Mm. And I've become very conscious of it, but man, it took a long time to become even conscious of it yeah. Um, to go, Oh, that's not a, that's not real. Mm. I mean, it's, it was real in my childhood. It's not necessarily real now. Mm. And that's the part where it gets tricky because we start to transfer that paradigm onto now. Yes. That all in our minds, it's like, well, that always was the way. So that is what's happening right now. Yes. Because my brain has triggered it.
0: Yep. And she's saying that and he's saying that because they finally figured out what a yada, yada, yada I am. Right. That I never was good enough, that I never was smart enough. And I think that, I'm so glad you said that because it does seem like it all comes down to a lack of worth or a, a true lack of worth. Now, it, it doesn't matter what flavor it came through early on. Very few people come out of that experience feeling entirely worthy. One of the things that I loved about what you said was you used to just ran you. Earlier, it's like you just you take the you take the bait and you just gnaw on that bone and it's just it takes you can take you weeks to get out of that when you're unconscious. But when you can start to create awareness around it, then you're able to say, wait a second, is this true? And so I want to talk about how we can reform our paradigm and talk about some of that neuroplasticity where um, there is good news on this side of it. Just like you explained, it still happens when your triggers happen. Well, of course she, of course she did this. Of course he did that. But you can quickly move in to say, no, 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 that's, that's not true, and that's where that neuroplasticity is so, that's such good news from a scientific standpoint. Yes.
1: So here's what I think is really important. When Bradshaw wrote um, Healing the Shame It Binds You, he, he's the one who came up with toxic shame, mm. and he referred to it as a fractured self. Mm. And what he says is that when we, you know, it's not that I made a mistake, it's that I, like Sarah was saying, I am a mistake. Mm-hmm. It becomes an identity. It becomes an absolute. It's, it's definitive. This is this is who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm not lovable. You know, I'm flawed mm-hmm. permanently. You know, I'm, I'm beyond repair. And so we develop, Bradshaw says, a false self. Mm-hmm. And we're reading more and more. It's becoming more and more prevalent, people are hearing about that phrase, false self, yeah. because it's not my true self. Right. And so what he says is, because I believe my true self is so flawed inherently, I'm going to be, pretend to be something that I'm not. Mm. And what is so interesting for what we talked about earlier is that he says that from a false self is the most fertile soil for attachments and addictions mm. to grow, mm. because we're isolated, we're completely alone, we're, we're not loved. And so... The answer, the antidote, is to come home to my true self. Mm. And when I think of Romans 12, do not conform to the patterns of this world. So in other words, all, everything I've learned and heard you know, that has shaped this paradigm, i gotta, I got to let that go. Yeah. And how does that do? He says, be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind, mm. which means constant, daily, Weekly, And then what people miss, that's part of that verse most people hear is, do not conform to the patterns of this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But it's what he says next. Then you will be able to discern, which Mm. means see, God's beautiful and perfect will for you. And so, you know, it all comes down to that is so powerful. Seeing is believing. Mm. And until I see myself through those eyes... And that takes a renewal process of building new neural pathways. Mm. Again, I I have loved everything Dr. Caroline Re- Leaf has written, because she makes that point. She even talks about it takes about I don't know 60 days and then 90 days for it to become permanent. But mm. you you have to. But she says there's a danger in this, in in paradigms and and just as easily. We can keep reinforcing it. Mm. She talks about that verse, take all thoughts captive. Mm. Just if I keep thinking the same things, doing the same things, and getting those same messages, it strengthens those neural pathways. Mm. That's why it is important that I'm in an environment, I'm in a process where I'm working on Mm. thinking differently, responding differently, Mm. seeing differently. So it can happen, but it is... She makes a point. She does very hard work.
0: Mm, that's beautiful too. That you brought up the the. I've heard it called the separated self. I'm separated from God. False self. Because then you also have to ask yourself who's who's responding to this. And I think that, you know, when you move into fear and you start to feel those triggers, um, you can you can start to have some awareness. And 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 uh, Sarah, before the episode, I was looking through the notes, and I think it's so important that just admitting that you believe what you believe now and be radical, self-honest as a starting point, not, hey, I shouldn't believe this or should. It's about meeting yourself where you are. Because oftentimes when we aren't aware to say, you know, honestly, like I, I really do kind of believe this about myself, then you can start to say, okay, now I can move into healing this. But it is important to start where you start and being honest about what you are believing about yourself in the world.
2: Yes. I do think that we have to come to terms not only with what we believe about ourselves, but we have to come to terms with what we've been told or mm-hmm. what we've come to believe about God, about the world, about other people, and all of the constructs that we are we are living in. You know, especially even now, you see it um, politically. Like we 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 put all these beliefs into a big pot, and we're like, this is this is what I believe. But I think if we really were honest and sorted through it, we would start to say, well, why? And ask ourselves, why do I believe that? Mm. well, probably mm, there's probably some percentage of those because I was told mm. that's what I should believe, or
0: saw it yeah or saw it
2: yeah uh, and I have not really critically thought through mm. why is it that I actually think that's true? I think that too, why a spiritual journey is so important is because there is a difference between being told about God and experiencing God, yes, my Experience has been that my relationship with God has exposed me to a different God than I thought I knew mm. in my early 20s. Mm. And that God is an, an extremely compassionate, but also fairly balanced mm. being mm. who, uh, and, and that is so when I started to deconstruct things like, I should go to church. Mm. I just stopped one day and asked myself that question. Why should I Mm. go to church? Mostly because I was told if I don't go to church, I am not connecting with God. I am not taking time to worship. I am ungrateful. Mm. I am am not disciplined. It's not a priority. It's not a priority. Uh, So many messages Most of them negative as to why. So I found myself going to church out of really a guilt
0: Mm. forever. Yeah.
2: For almost my entire church going life. Mm. And then one day, my husband and I just said, Why do we go to church? Are we getting, is this a process that's actually enhancing our spirituality? Mm. And uh, we walked out and that was the end of that. Wow. And there have been times in which people have asked me, in the last few years, like, "Do you have a church?" And mm. I, there, I have to stop myself from going shamefully, no. Right. Uh, but then I go, "Why should I be ashamed of that? It's, yes. it's my spiritual journey." Yes. And this is where I feel like I am on my spiritual journey. Then that is what I believe. So it's these moments of saying, "I believe this for good reason." Yeah. I didn't just make this up. Mm. Um, uh, this is part of my journey and it's not part of your journey. And why should you be concerned if I go to church? Yes. It's not your...
0: Right. Not and then you, then you get worry. to see another level of your your paradigm where it's important that I come across a certain way. So the triggers, you can yes. almost repurpose all of them to, to, to have them as little, you know, uh, headlights towards what needs a little bit of healing and love. And I think that um, something you said earlier about the separated self, Scott, I was reading something the other day that said... The separated self can does not even know love. It can't even accept it. So when you show up in a relationship as 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 that false self, it's you're never going even if you've got someone that is literally loving you and, and you can't receive it from the false self. Because
1: there can be no intimacy. Right. Intimacy only exists in truth and vulnerability. Mm. Um I wanted to say too, um that Covey said something that just really just has stayed with me powerfully. He, so he was talking about the paradigm and that for us to experience true transformation, to be really transformed, you have to strike at the root, which is the way that you see mm. everything, mm. which is the paradigm. And he says that character is inseparable from being. Mm-hmm. And, and so if... And this is what Leif is talking about. If God's character is growing in me, and I'm, be, I'm be, as Paul says, it's no longer I who live, who Christ who lives in me, I, the mind of Christ. So I'm seeing everything. That's why we say Christ is a paradigm. Mm-hmm. Mother Teresa said hope enlarges the heart. When we begin to be filled with love and see, and our seeing is enlarged, everything is is different Mm. but this and so i wrote the word integrity and i did a little this part of my new book the power of integrity isn't that i'm a good guy Mm. but integrity is integrated that god's character my character our minds are being integrated and that just expands Mm. everything And then I can grow into my full true self, into my full potential. Mm. Shame, as Thompson says, disintegrates that. And thus, the expansion is thwarted. Mm. And we don't. That could be the type of parent I am, employee, you know, human being, spouse, Mm. you know, all these, as those expands, um, it's just, to me, it's a beautiful way of looking at it. So growing. Into my true self, building true character, integrating that, the integrity of that is powerful. Mm. And that's why with each week, and we're not talking about doing it perfectly, but I'm growing, I'm getting it better. Yes. I'm coming home to my true self, which we go back to what Gerald May says, the the answer to transformation ultimately comes down to consecration, saying yes to going home to God. I go home to God, I go home to my true self, there's the best place that's mm. the ultimate freedom
0: it's beautiful and i think too it's like I, I i'm glad you said that because i've heard recently where like if you show up in your office as a as a certain way you go home with your kids your certain way with your spouse with your then you can start to pick up on oh then you start to see like oh there is this need to approve here and i can be kind of this version and i i have fallen victim i mean i've been that was a big part of my story was you know people were like well you know you seem really happy out here. But when you get, you know, when you get here, it's like, you know, I just, I get all the dump on you. It's like, and it's like, well, I've been performing all day, so I need one space. So, but even that is like, oh, that's that false self coming up again, where I don't feel like it's an, I'm enough to show up at my job and just speak integrated to say, you know, your, your, your thoughts, your actions, your beliefs, when they start to line up, then you have this internal integrity because when we don't we're not hurting we're hurting others but we're 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 hurting our true self we're saying you're not it's almost like our inner child's looking at us and they're like am I not good enough down here like why are you shifting with all why can't you just be you and we that we yearn for that we yearn for that integrity
1: the false self sends a message i must do before mm. i can ever become mm. and we Got it all wrong. God is saying, "Hey, first you need to be your true self. Mm. Then you will naturally do.
0: Mm. You'll
1: do home. You'll do the relationships. You'll do life. Yes. You know. But we have a. As long as we're disintegrated through shame and it's beautiful, and through life in a false in a false self.
2: Well, when we were talking about freedom in the last episode. Yeah. That too is a big marker mm-hmm. that freedom is happening mm-hmm. because you can be your true self in all places and you don't feel like you're e- expending all this emotional energy mm-hmm. trying to be this person there and this person there keep up appearances. Again, it all comes back to, to attachments, you know, because what are you attached to? It's self-image. Yes. It's the, uh, projection of success. It's mm. the, whatever it is that you're, uh, projecting out there is, and some attachment that has not allowed us to be free to be our true selves. Mm
1: -hmm. What Sarah's saying, I I, I think we we underestimate the power of the systemic influence our society has on us as what we come to believe, you know, and that's how we see ourselves. And, you know, uh, school was very difficult for me, as I've talked about before growing up, because I was, you know, I have this horrible attention disorder, and, and then they just said, well, you're, your
0: child is hyperactive. Yes, you know, put them on Ritalin or something, or yeah, get yeah. them on medicine. Yeah.
1: I could not focus. I couldn't concentrate, and yet, so my grade cards reflected, "Your son is a loser." Mm. You know, and and then later in life, I get into my, my, I guess, my true self, and I found out, gosh, I am so much different than mm. what I had come to believe about myself. Mm. I actually am intelligent.
0: Mm. <laughs> I I'll, I'll affirm that. <laughs> I'm no, sure no, all our listeners no, will no, too. But after
1: but. your whole childhood you yes. are you're 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 your, your stupid. Yes. which was a horrible paradigm for mm-hmm. me, you know. Um and
0: I think that's powerful that that especially and I know that I have to be careful here because I've been saying this a lot lately and I think I think back in the day it was traditionally where women were more vulnerable, men were less vulnerable, but I think we're all getting into being less and less vulnerable, no matter if you're a male or female. I, I I've been careful to pull back on that, but I will say that I was um, working with some um, some lady that was helping me through some stuff, and I was telling her I was like, you know, I just I just feel like you know I've always had this sensitive nature. I've always been more empathetic and creative, and I would identify that as quote unquote more feminine uh, aspects. And she says, "Oh, Jake," she says, "There's nothing more courageous. There's nothing more brave." Than, than moving through what you're moving through right now. And it just flipped that paradigm of what is masculinity? What is it to be a man? Is it to be successful and all of those things? Or is it to, is there anything more masculine and more strong than for any of us to move through our own stuff? And I just, that hit me, but it, I had to have that mirrored. And I would have never came to that conclusion myself had I not had, had someone to say, oh no, you're seeing this wrong. That's an old paradigm. That you bought into when you were 12 or 13, you don't have to buy into that anymore. The truth is, this does take strength. And I was like, wow. And then you just know in your core of being that it's true. And once that truth sinks in, it's like that that thought, that disbelief, it may still come up, but it doesn't have the power that it used to have.
1: Right. I mean, do you fit into the model? Right. That our right. society. Right. Has?
0: Right. Yes. The answer is no. Right. I, so far I've not been and able I to. And I think,
2: you know, you have to be a little gentle with yourself, but I think at some point you do just sort of have to question all of it. Now, yes. when you start questioning all of it, you might lead yourself right into an existential crisis. Right. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but you, you do have to start looking around and going, you know, why is that inherently female? Why mm. is that inherently male? Mm. Why do I believe this about, job and career why Mm. do i think my resume has to look like this why do i think i have to live in this house why do i think i need this education Mm. i mean all the things why do my kids have to why do i think my kids have to participate in sports why do i think i mean you you just have to start in some ways questioning everything (laughs) that you believe to be true yeah and ask yourself why Mm. Um, and find out where you you're projecting a lot of those unconscious, probably so many, unconscious beliefs onto the world. But I also, again, going back to the spiritual journey and what freedom looks like, I think one of the biggest, other biggest markers is that you start to realize there is no black or white in life. There Mm. just isn't.
1: Mm.
2: All perspectives are valid Mm. in many ways. You you want to hear, you start to want to hear other people's perspectives because you want to get out of, your paradigm. I mean, mm-hmm. that's how I feel. I, I'm like, if I get too stuck in my paradigm, I'm like, let me go talk to somebody else because yes. I need another perspective. Yes.
1: What she's saying is, if I don't feel that I'm conforming to the patterns of this world, mm-hmm. so this, this is what, this is how I'm supposed to be right. as as a as a male, mm-hmm. as a strong man, mm-hmm. you know, and successful. And so, you know, math was like, I'm looking at. Chinese letters. I mean, I could not do math Mm. and science. You know, I couldn't sit still, but boy, English, I could read for days and days and days and and elaborate on it, you know, if if I was interested in it. Yes, right. So, but when I was growing up, premium was put on math, science, you know, Mm -hmm. business skills, you Mm -hmm. you know. So, you know, I had to find my way, you know, and, uh, but it is not easy, Mm -mm. but I would not have found my way if it was not for a group. Yeah. And in a, in a healing community. Yeah.
0: And it's like that the thing about that I've experienced personally is when I, when someone sees into me or someone sees something and calls like that lady that was able to see that, as I was mentioning, that loosens that grip on that paradigm and it never can be the same again. Like it may still come up, but it's almost like you just kind of keep boxing it. And like the more the more you hit on it, the more it starts to loosen up and then it just doesn't hold that. And it almost dissolves over time because you have people that are on the same page as you saying, you know, I, I, that's not who you are. Come back, come back to yourself. And when you have that in a group or a friend, you've got, you've got a time machine that will warp speed. I mean, you can do all this on your own and you can do all your own private work, but when you have someone in your life Whether it's a special, a a close relationship or a group, it will time warp this this stuff because they can get into that subconscious so much faster and and affirm those what's true or what's not true. And I think that's why I have personally just valued group so much because it really does not to be an efficient you know self improver, but if it takes less time, (laughs) it takes less time, and having other people with you. Because um, love comes faster, I think you just need—it's love. It's perfect love drives out fear, and you need to start associating with love as your primary, uh, as your as your primary being.
1: See, that takes us back to the last episode. That's what it comes down
0: to—that
1: mm-hmm. core desire. There's one source of love that is permanent, non-movable. That's there, and if that becomes the foundation of my being, Christ, mm-hmm. that it's just. You know, I'm, I am um, i can't think of the name of that TV series they made on Jesus, this, this recent one, but this, they had that one episode, the first episode, um, is about Mary Magdalene and Christ. Mm. In that verse, Isaiah 43, 11, uh, and he's, he's saying it to Mary, but I, I substitute my name in it. Do not fear, Scott, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. Mm. You are mine. Mm. Um That's a paradigm shift. Mm. You know, wow, you made me intricately know everything about me. Mm. You've you've called me Mm. by my name. Mm. I am
0: yours. Personal. Personal. Yes.
1: I think sometimes, if not a lot of times, people experience that for the first time in our groups. Mm -hmm. Because only where my truth is exposed... And then you love me back. That's love. Mm. Otherwise, I'm still having to put on the false self. Yes. You know, anybody I got to do that to, That I got to work for it, I, or I got to hide for it. Yeah. Because it
2: comes down to the most basic truth, which is we cannot love anyone else unless no. we love ourselves first. Yes. And I mean, biblically, we're told that like you have to, you have to love yourself. Mm. We tend to think of that as self indulgent. But, in the sense, that's all it is, is mm-hmm. I have to understand my perspective, my paradigm, I have to have grace and mercy for where it came from. Yep. and only then can I then understand your paradigm, Yes, and have grace and mercy for your paradigm. Yes. And that is that's true empathy, and that's where you start to get into that space of understanding that what I believe to be truth mm. I put that in quotations, which you cannot see <laughs> <if> I guess. <laughs> what people cling to so much as truth really is just your paradigm. Mm. I don't, I don't think people like to hear that because they really want to believe what I, this is true. Yes. Like, and yet you will talk to other people and start to realize we all think our yes. perspective is true. Right. Yep. And so we can't, you know, that that doesn't work somehow doesn't add up. But that there is some nuggets of truth in all of our perspectives, and then together collectively we can mm. have a sense of mm. what's true. That's my that's my opinion, um, and that God, when God enters this picture with us, that we allow God in, it's really God who's feeding us the nuggets yes. of truth, yes, not our own yes paradigm.
0: Yeah, that false self, and I think that I've heard. Um, I love the I love the quote: uh, "Fear projects and love extends." Mm-hmm. And so, when you're in fear, that false self is always in fear of being found out about, and, and its terror of being known, of being the shameful thing that it thinks it is. So, I wanted to wrap up with how changing this paradigm, how powerful it is when you when you can start to be known as who you are in your own in your own space, in your own being, and then able to show up to others as that you, you can you can truly be known when you show up as your true self and people see that, that's where love really starts to come in.
1: Yeah, and what you're describing to me is hope. Mm. You know, I think we've talked about this before, but I think we're living in an era of the main epidemic. And it's funny, we're in a pandemic, but I think the biggest pandemic we have is despair. Mm. And a definition of despair is, is hopelessness. And I think so many people feel hopeless. That they'll ever experience that love, that they'll find the antidote to that, and um, it's coming, providing this sacred space, as we call it, where they can come home mm. and experience that to their true self and experience that love. That's the hope that uh, the world needs more than ever, mm. than ever.
0: That's beautiful. Well, guys, thank you so much, and uh, again. You know, part of part of being in the false self and is is the fear, is keeping you back from showing up to the small group because you we are fearful. But I will say that through the experience of being around people that don't know you, which is usually a part of the resistance, actually creates the space so that you can show up because they don't know your backstory. You can there is freedom there um, to show up.
1: Yeah, remember what Bradshaw said that that shame, just we're petrified, terrified of being exposed. Mm. Yet it is the only antidote exposure Mm. to the shame. It's beautiful. So having that space where that can occur is the most important thing I think a person can do in their
0: life. Mm. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, You guys check out the website for upcoming groups and announcements and we love you all and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Restore Small Groups is a nonprofit based in Nashville, Tennessee. To find out more, visit us online at restoresmallgroups.org.